and welcome to the Experts of the World podcast with me, Yavi Badere, the founder and executive director of the Pan-African Business Women's Association, Kabwa. Every week, we engage in conversations with power players from across the continent, Africa-sized aura, and the world. Understand Africa in the context of the economic emancipation of women in terms of gender equality. We are here to change the narrative so that it leads to action and not just economic participation by women, but to unapologetically say that we want a thriving women's economy by women for women. And that's today's discussion in summary. So is a thriving women economy possible? Here are some things to consider when we delve into the discussion. Women around the world still face obstacles to fully participating in the workforce limiting a country's potential growth, economic growth specifically. Greater gender equality can play a role in boosting economic growth. This is what the analysts say. A number of countries could launch efforts to increase the number of women in their labor forces. Let's take Saudi Arabia, who in 2017 lifted its ban on women driving, partly due to economic reasons. And I quote Prince Khaled bin Salman when I say that. A 2018 report from the Asian Development Bank found that East Asian and Pacific countries lose up to $47 billion each year due to lower labor force participation by women. In Japan, changes came in the form of economics. <laughs> the economic plan of Prime Minister Shinzo Abe by having strategic plans bringing more women into the, into the workplace. Japan not only approached it from an economic perspective, but also from a culture perspective by expanding childcare services and removing, wait for it, tax deductions for dependent spouses, amongst other things. It seems Minister Abe's reforms to happen to align with a long-term increase in women's workforce participation, which increased from 67% in 2000 to 76% in 2016. Coincidence? I think not. Let's come closer to home to African soil. Different levels of economic advancement, social stigma, laws, regulations, cultural traditions, and even religion all govern norms on whether a woman should be in the labor market or not. Then, what her occupation should be. Even worse, what is her compensation? While there has been progress made in global markets, very little progress has been made in this regard in general for Africa. In Africa, 75 to 90% of non-agricultural employment is informal, and low-paid work in which women are three times more likely to be employed as contractors family workers if they be your counterparts. Meaning, women are often unpaid, underpaid, and vulnerable to exploitation. Here's something to ponder. Had African countries with lower relative female-to-male economic participation rates in 2018, at the same rates as advanced countries, the continent would have gained an additional 44 million women actively participating in its labor market. And that was before a global pandemic came and destroyed economies. My guest to discuss whether women are the factors for economic growth or not, both in Africa and the world, is the VP and MD of Hewlett Packard, is Elizabeth Moreno. Elizabeth was born in Africa but raised in France, coming from really humble beginnings today. She counts being at the global helm of the Novo and currently a VP for Hewlett Packard as part of her illustrious career. 
and she is nowhere near done in making a global impact on the world and to the role model of girls who look like her because representation matters in economics. Elizabeth, welcome. You've heard the details of the intro and we've had you give up your precious time during last week and partake in various discussions during Kabwa Africa Week. Tell me, can women who make up 52% of the continent's population be the catalyst for Africa's economic growth to take us into an African century? Yavi, thank you so much for asking me this question. Uh, and uh, hi, uh, everybody. The answer is yes, indeed. It is a big yes. And I think now, more than ever, it is time to recognize that women are already bringing a huge contribution to the African uh, continent and at worldwide level. Unfortunately, they are doing it in an informal manner. And you know that, Afri I mean, 80% of the uh, African uh, uh, business activities uh, is informal. Uh, I'm sure that 90% of these activities are held by women, but this business is absolutely not recognized. Our continent has the world's youngest active population in the world. But being young and female serves as a kind of double strike for the continent because when you're looking for a job, when you're looking for a productive employment, you are not taken seriously. But to your question, is are women capable of making a huge difference within the continent? The answer is definitely yes. Look at the way they study. Women are very serious in the way they study. We have a lot of women uh, being bold and when they are allowed to, because uh, I mean, unfortunately, they cannot always uh, have access to education, but those who have access to education are having very good results. Look at the way women invest their money when they manage to become entrepreneurs, when they manage to earn money. What do you think they do with this money? They invest every single dollar of their earning in human development, whether it is their own education, the education of their child, they contribute to their communities, they contribute to their family's needs. So definitely, and I strongly believe that women are the chance for Africa if we want to take our continent ahead. So you speak about education um, and you know it obviously starts women empowerment, uh, women economic emancipation uh, starts being a little girl because education you know leads to uh, participation in the economy, etc. Et Let's talk about education. Today I read something around education, you know, as the schools are going back uh, to, or as the kids are going back to school, uh, somebody said on social media, education is either a societal problem or a societal development, but it all comes down to society. So, what, and you know, there's so many challenges we have when it comes to education. But for you, what would be that main thing that we need to do 
in order to ensure that the girl's child is educated so that we can ensure that it's a straight line to economic empowerment. Look, I was reading uh, uh, an article, and you're right. I mean, uh, uh, post-COVID and, and COVID has revealed a huge, huge level of inequalities uh, for people who, I mean, the poorest people, the most vulnerable, and indeed, women are part of, uh, of these uh, sad uh, statistics. Um, I was reading in that article, I think, between 75% or 80, I don't remember exactly the number, but let's say 75% of inactive out of school youth are female. 75%. And women do face the highest unemployment rate, wherever, whether we speak about uh, developed countries or underdeveloped countries. They are facing persistent wage gaps. And they, they, I mean, when they have to uh, make a school-to-work transition, they are still the ones suffering the most. And we all know the causes that prevent them from accessing to a decent job. You know, lack of resources, early marriage, pregnancy, discrimination in recruitment, conditions of work, lack of recognition by men outside of the households. Some women, even when they can have access to work, and they earn their money. They have to give this money to their husband because they are still considered as too weak to know exactly what to do with this money. So, you know, mentalities, when you ask me what are the things that need to change, the first thing we need to change is mentality. You know, the stereotypes that are holding us back. And if we do not change that, we will still have a long way to go before we speak about gender equality. And I think that the responsibility, the first, the very first responsibility belongs to the parents. Women must have the opportunity to access to education in the same way our boys are accessing to education. And we need parents to understand that educating their girls is providing them with a better future. And I think that this responsibility goes alongside the responsibility of teachers. Teachers do have a huge influence in these young boys and girls' uh, uh, way of thinking, way of doing things. If they decide to combat these stereotypes, they will make a huge difference in this diversity battle. Second, we need to make sure that um, uh, our governments, our uh, public leaders make uh, this gender equality in their agenda. They have to build a strategic plan so women can have access to school. Pabwa does exist because we realized that in this beautiful Africa trade agreement that is supposed to be implemented in July, If we have one paragrapher that speaks about women entrepreneurship, we should be happy. And this is a shame. We are in 2020. I indeed, a lot of progress have been made. But if our public institutions do not keep in mind that this gender diversity, and by the way, it's not a question of morality or whatever, or just a question of pity. It's a question of development of our continent. If we leave behind 
52% of our population, how do you want us to make a real progress? What are the MOUs that you have signed with UN Women and AU from a Hewlett-Packard perspective? And I love asking you this question because I love your response. <laughs> Why did you do it? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be super... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to be super humble here because as you can imagine, um, this is the work of uh, multiple people and I praise the work of my team on this thing. You know, when I came to Africa, uh, I think uh, it is the first time I'm having a job where I can not only have a huge business impact, but I can also have a huge uh, um, impact as an African woman in my uh, continent. And we, I had two objectives actually when I came. One was education, we mentioned it and I will talk about it. And the second one was uh, 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 about women uh, 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 empowerment. And I knew that Africa had the largest uh, women uh, rate of uh, entrepreneurs. And I was thinking, what the hell can I do to accelerate this process and to transform this informal economy into a formal economy. And uh, um, I had the chance, and you know, that's the beauty of life. When you have a, a purpose, when you have a deep belief, God helps you. And I have been lucky to meet with uh, Dr. Fumzile in Paris. She was there for, uh, I, I remember, she was in Paris when the African, uh, uh, um, uh, our African, uh, South African uh, women went to play uh, soccer uh, uh, for the World Cup. And I met with her there and we spoke and it was like, I mean, you know, I felt so humbled to meet with this woman that I have been admiring for a while. And I told her what I wanted to do for the continent. And I told her that I wanted to use technology to empower women. And she said, why not combining our strengths? And that's the way we started. And we have selected uh, five countries uh, where we have seen good conditions, good public conditions to support women uh, uh, entrepreneurship, to good conditions because, you know, to use uh, uh, technology, you need to have good uh, infrastructures. And we have selected these countries and we have started working. And I'm going to tell you something. This is certainly one of the things I am the most proud of because I see that I can help and I can support what is important within my continent. The second thing we did, and we did it during the, the COVID-19 uh, 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 situation, and you see uh, our lives is made of meeting, we, of human relationship. I was in at the World uh, Economic Forum last year and uh, 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 Marcus, one of my uh, teammates, he introduced me to uh, Sarah, uh, 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 who is currently leading the chair of education at uh, uh, the African Union. And we spoke and uh, I told her what I wanted to achieve. And she told me, um, oh, I'll be happy to work with you on this topic because education is uh, the warmest topic in my life. And uh, she used to be a teacher, so you can understand that. And during COVID-19, we decided to put our strengths together with her access to the entire uh, ministers of education within the continent. 
and the online platform we have created to give access to the, the, the children to a free education online. We have put our strengths together. We have analyzed the difficulties and we are actually given access, giving access to all the children within the continent to our Be Online platform so they can continue to study despite the lockdown. And the beauty of this platform is it is not only uh, for students, but it also onboards parents and teachers in the game. And this becomes a community, a platform of community learners. And it's amazing the impact it's having on these uh, uh, youth. And the last thing I want to mention, because I'm really proud of it, you know, corporations usually renew their material every three years because, I mean, technology uh, moves so fast. So uh, three years after you need, because of performance and so on and so forth, you need new material. We have created a program called HP Refresh, where we work with our largest corporations. We ask them to give us the material. And I can tell you after after three years, your, your, your notebook can be super useful for a kid who is sitting in a village where he has uh, his parents earn $1 per day. And you know, he will never have uh, the, the possibility to buy a laptop. We are calling these large corporations. We are asking them to give us this material that they are not necessarily using any longer. We give a new life to this material and we donate this material to the poorest and most vulnerable kids we have in the continent. You know, when I speak about these things, um, I feel touched because when I was young, in my small island in Cape Verde, if somebody would have given me a hand like HP is doing today, I think I would have cried. I feel like I want to cry. Honestly, I can't believe. I'm going to start calling you Mother Africa because, you know, just in terms of these three projects that you've started, I can only imagine, and I know that at some point you will give us um, the full impact in terms of the stats, but I can only imagine what that must mean to children, young girls specifically, young women specifically, to keep them in schools, we go to the 75% number, like we have to find a way. And I want you to paint a picture, please Elizabeth, for a world that is 4IR, as we like to call it, 4IR enabled for the benefits of all Africans across the continent, but specifically for young women, women and girls. What is the what is the what is the benefits of technology as you see it? What do you think and how do you think it will play post-COVID, maybe during, but post-COVID specifically, how do you feel it's gonna play out and what does our future look like from an African perspective? You know, is it Wakanda or is it somewhere between what we currently have and the Wakanda ideal? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think technology is already revolutionizing the way we work, the way we communicate, the way we study. Uh, it's revolutionizing our healthcare system, uh, you know, and it's doing things that we wouldn't have imagined possible. Let me give you a few examples. 
you know that our uh, roads in Africa are absolutely, I mean, sometimes it's really tricky, right? Uh, during COVID-19, uh, some uh, people, some countries have used drones to deliver tests to the less accessible places in Africa. Can you imagine that? You use a drone, you, you, you make the test, you use the drone, it's, it takes it to the hospital, and in one day, you know whether you are infected by the virus or not. What? In Africa? Wow. In Africa. In Africa. We have countries that have created uh, new, uh, with technology again, new ways to wash your hands because you know that water is one of the most precious thing we have in the continent. And we have to find a way to economize water, water and make sure that people can wash their hands and make sure they, 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 they protect their, 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 their safety, right? A, you have countries who have used technology for that. Because of technology, every single government in the continent has been able to communicate in the real instant what decisions were making, were made uh, about uh, uh, lockdown, uh, about uh, uh, the places where are uh, uh, you see the most infected people, about uh, the places where you can find food, and so on and so forth. These wouldn't have been possible a few years ago. But I'm going to speak about a specific topic of the yeah. fourth AR that yeah. is going to change significantly our continent because it is going to create jobs and it is yes. going to fight the uh, biggest issue we have in the continent, which is unemployment. We need to create jobs for our people so they do not take these ridiculous boat and they put their lives at risk to go in a place where nobody wants them and where they don't know where how they can save their lives and i'm oh gosh, talking yes, about please tell us <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> talk about 3d printing you know 3d printing can definitely revolutionize manufacturing in africa and this and i'm gonna tell you why today with 3D printing, you can not only create any single piece, any single material you need, but you can also create a company. 3D printing is truly disrupting the phenomenon of manufacturing. It is really the most powerful thing I have seen in technologies in the past 15 years or so. And I think we have seen um, many, I mean, I'm seeing few companies starting using it, but I'm, I'm not sure that governments have understood how powerful 3D printing can be and how it can redesign our entire production line, how it can uh, 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 redesign our supply chain and distribution uh, uh, capabilities, how it can increase our competitive advantage. You know, sometimes it takes you three to four weeks to get a piece uh, uh, for, uh, uh, to repair your machine, to repair your car. Can you imagine if you can produce it locally? Can you imagine the competitive advantage it can give you? Can you imagine the time you can save? That's what 3D printing is doing. 
and I'm fighting on a daily basis to make sure that the, uh, our continent understand the power of 3D printing and these additive manufacturing. In conclusion, the thing that I want to ask you um, is, and it's, when I say conclusion, it's my last question before we wrap up, is, you know, what would be if you had a wish list coming out of COVID-19 into a new normal? What would be on your wish I don't want us to return to a new normal because the new normal was totally unequal. And I don't want us to live in this unequal world where only half of the world's population have access to the best opportunities. I want us to use all the tools, all the means, all the capabilities we can to create an inclusive economy where nobody feels that he's left behind because of the color of his skin or his gender. We do not choose where we are born. We do not choose our gender. We do not choose the part of the world we are born, but it is the responsibility of the people who have the power to make changes, the people for who we vote to because we trust that they can change our life and make it better. I hope that they will use every single means they have in their power to change the world we are living in and create more equality for their population. That's my best wish. And the, the second one would be for parents to make sure when they have the capabilities to do so, to put their girls at schools so they can give them the opportunities to transform their lives and transform the lives of their families. And the last thing is, we say a lot of bad things about technology. We speak about the burdens of technology, but we do not speak about the goods of technology. And I'm firmly, I firmly believe that technology can help the development of Africa as never before. No, I mean, the, the first, the second, the third technology and the fourth technology were not accessible as the fourth one is. And I hope that everybody in this continent understand how powerful, using our powerful, we can become in Africa if you use our human resources, our natural resources, and the technology resources, we can transform our future. Oh my word, So Elizabeth, you know, we've spoken, you've spoken very passionately about about you know a, a future that is derived by ourselves, Africans for Africa. What is your message um, to you know, as a as a, 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 a as I said before, representation matters, especially in economics. Uh, young girls need to see heroes, need to see leaders like you and others, so that they know it is possible. Um, what's your message? You know, the little girl from Cape Verde and um, the the VP in charge of Hewlett Packard today. What is your message to young women? little girls everywhere not just in Africa but everywhere and women that are not just you know not young anymore but still need to be inspired what is your message to them? I would tell them that we live 
in one of the most beautiful continent on earth. And we have not been lucky so far because despite all the wealth of this continent, we are still called underdeveloped continent and we are still suffering a lot. And I will tell them that this place is our place. This place is our place in the world. It is the life we have. And I would praise them to go on and do everything they can with what they have. And I will tell them that they can make the life they want provided they bet on themselves. Nobody but themselves. I will tell them that they are powerful beyond their thoughts. I will tell them that if they decide to have a good life, if it is their real dreams, whatever their parents say, whatever their teachers say, whatever their neighbors say, whatever their boss, manager, friends, whoever tells them that they can't do it, don't listen to them. Believe in yourself, follow your goals, and give yourself the means to achieve those goals. I thank you for the bottom of my heart, and I know that the, the inspiration that is going to flow from this, um, from this engagement, the conversation that you and I have had today, will go way beyond you know, um, this and I. I know that it will multiply so many times. I hope that even if it's just one person, that we know it will be more. Um, get inspired by your work and be able to, as you say, do everything you can with what you have. So I want to say thank you on behalf of all of us who are inspired and we are, you know, we are inspired to aspire. Um, at Pabwa, we like to say that everyone has a seat at our table, always and forever. And when you are at our table, you take up space. You do not keep quiet. You take up space and you use your voice, your mind, your hands to make a difference and impact the world. Because that is the only way we are going to get to the next generation where they feel more empowered, where they feel stronger, where they feel better, purely because we left the world better off. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for today. Thank you, Yavi. And uh, I hope we'll, uh, we'll reach our dreams. Thank you very much. Yes, you and I will see it in our lifetime. I have no doubt. 